Steve Cakey Wilshiv. Hello and welcome to episode seven of the Lower Hour Podcast. I'm David Smith and I'm joined today by Marty Gillespie, Podge Gaffney, Orm Fitzpatrick and Franny Walsh. Today we're going to be discussing Matt Haig's best-selling sensation, The Midnight Library, which you've probably heard about or seen all over social media. It's hugely popular at the moment. Uh, you'll notice that I said Cakey Wilshiv at uh, the start of the podcast again, which is confirmation that Marty, your petition has been defeated, thankfully, to, mm. ha- to have the intro changed. So thanks to all our listeners for uh, getting involved in those social media polls and proving me right. Happy to keep the intro as it is. Big benefit um, of having four Navin lads or three Navin lads. Get your facts right, Marty. It's two Alboy men and one Navin on. Three Mead men, but... Pat's Navin, blah, blah, blah. All the same. All want to be dubs, so... Yeah, this fella. Any wonder no one voted for him, you see. How are we anyway, lads? Marty, what's the crack? How's your weekend going? All good. Bank holiday here. Um, went up to I'm up in Donegal this weekend. Actually, haven't been up for a while. Uh, it's just great to be home. Like the weather's great. And had a little Indian there last night. Probably head to the beach later on. That's a nice chill weekend up in Donegal. Back in the homeland mm-hmm. after your gad last month, where you needed to immerse yourself again, R- rub that Dublin off you. Is gad? Is gad? Like not a countrywide thing like I've definitely heard all of you Podge you've definitely said gah before I've absolutely heard you say gah before no doubt about it it wasn't recorded though Matty so you've been pillowed <laughs> Podge how are you well lads yeah all good uh, yeah like Marty there Bank Holly just being blessed with weather here at the moment yeah going to Carlingford now after podcasts with an old friend Giuseppe Rudden so I'm sure he's been listening and yeah I was going for a bit of a walk uh, I've never been to Carlingford before, funny enough. I'm so looking forward to that. And then going over to another old college friend of ours, Sean Casey's, for a few cans or something later on. So that's the height of the, the day for me. Yeah, but then nice quiet day tomorrow then. Just heading away for my girlfriend's birthday then next week during the week for the hotels are back open. So very much looking forward to that. Uh, back to some sort of normality. But yeah, that's my crack. Not much else. Not too bad. Yeah, nice is getting a nice bit of weather. It looks, yeah, unreal at home. I, myself, I'm on a pandemic-related isolation this weekend. Uh, was a close contact there during the week, so I am I think I'm fine, but I'm awaiting the outcome of a test, so I've been housebound for the last couple of days. So, um, quite enough weekend for me. Not a, not the most fun, but it's, uh, it's grand. grand to get one of them in every now and again anyway. So. You had a nice week here in Seville last week, did you? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I was um, got back Monday, so was, all the previous week I, was, I spent in Seville. Yeah, lovely, lovely city. Uh, very hot down there, though. It was like 34, 35 degrees most days, so it was a bit much for uh, my Irish body. <laughs> yeah, classic Irish complaint. Classic Irish yeah. complaint, yeah. <laughs> but no, it was. Yeah, it's a lovely city. I'd love to go back again. Lovely, okay. lovely architecture and stuff. Yeah, it's lovely. Um, Oren? How's life in Sydney? Good weekend? Great weekend, good up to no hijinks whatsoever. No, I was at a 30th last night, so it was a little bit, a little bit rough this morning, but all good. Um, it's getting a little bit cold here, actually, so I'd say this could be one of the few times of the year where Ireland's a lot nicer and a lot warmer anyway than Sydney. But uh, nah, pretty quiet, mate. Um, yourself, you up too much this weekend? Not too much, no. We had a top-of-the-table soccer match there yesterday, which we won 6-3, so very happy about that. Very smug, so we went for a few pints after that. It was good with the team, and just went for a hike today. Uh, made you breakfast when you were a bit hungover this morning, or had a major breakfast rather. So I was witnessing oh, that. Uh, that was a make or break moment, and yeah, exactly. it, 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 it went well. 
Okay, lads, uh, I think we'll discuss the book. Move on to the Midnight Library. Franny, do you want to give us maybe like a brief synopsis and overview? So yeah, the book basically follows Nora, who is going through a tough time in life and comes to the decision to end her life. And then after she, she makes this decision, she finds herself in a place called the Midnight Library. So she finds herself in this situation where she has the chance to choose um, a load of different lives that are available to her because of this thing called the multiverse. So it's this scientific theory that there are always parallel uh, universes running at any one time and that they kind of all coexist in some way. Um, so Nora chooses a procession of these lives throughout the book and she is she, she has the option of potentially sticking to one if she likes it, but she keeps hopping between them and can't settle on one. And it's essentially the book is then kind of about, um, I suppose, greater understanding she comes to in terms of life and like her own life and things that have happened and maybe how that all works out and how maybe stuff isn't meant to work out the way it's supposed to. So yeah, that's essentially the gist of it. And how did you find the book? Did you enjoy it? No, not really. <laughs> I hadn't much good to say about this book at all, really. I actually, when I started into it, I kind of saw why it was, it was popular and doing so well. And I was like, this is a really interesting concept. And just the way it's it's introduced here from the very start, you know, this idea that Nora is going to end her life and it's a certain amount of time left till she's going to do it. And you're kind of, you get that, you kind of get that whole sense and it's very compelling at the start. But I find once it gets past that point where you're in the actual Midnight Library, I found the wheels really started to come off for me from pretty much that point on. And I found it quite difficult to care about it. It was just, the story was a bit ridiculous. She was going, hopping around from one life to another. And you're kind of like, you're finding it very difficult to care about any one particular strand of the story. Like that again, you're meeting a lot of new characters characters and each time you're kind of like I'm not sure why I should care about this character because he's he or she is going to be gone and you know then it by the next chapter and there's no continuity really uh for me the biggest difficulty I had with it was it was kind of overall I felt the tone of it was very inconsistent like I felt it started off and it's this really solemn and kind of serious examination of of this woman and what's going wrong in her life and I felt like you know there was it, it looked like there was going to be some sort of value in that like you know it's obviously a very serious topic and it's it would, it's very worthwhile if, if a fictional story can do it well and if they can examine those themes, you know, tell a compelling story that has that as a theme. But I felt once he went to the Midnight Library, I felt it was just a little bit ridiculous. The way it was kind of told, I found it was hard to care about it on the level that you should care about a story that's, that's about that and that's about that kind of emotional trauma and that's kind of, that kind of human difficulty. And I just felt that nearly that kind of narrative structure would have nearly been suited better to a comedy or something. And like, I know we're going to discuss later on, maybe that like, you know, there, ha there have been other shows and films and books where it's been used like that. And it's been done very well. You know, it, it's, it's definitely a good tool for storytelling if you do it right. But I feel here, he just got it wrong. Yeah, I would agree with um, a good bit of what you said there, Franny. I think you hit a good point there with the tonal difference. It definitely kind of started off kind of bleak and grim. And then as you read through the book, I just found uh, some of the humor he was trying to portray was it kind of got a bit tired. Um, he kind of repeated the same kind of idea of he'll like Nora will go into this new place or new life. And I found that a lot of that chapter or a lot of that life, let's say, was just the same kind of like the, the other person would respond, are you OK, Nora? Like, are you feeling OK? And then she was kind of trying to trying to bluff her way through it and that kind of repeated itself quite a bit so that got a little bit annoying but to be honest with you overall I liked the book as a story I kind of took it for what it is to be honest like I didn't approach the book expecting much because generally a lot of the time with these kind of bestsellers or books you see all over the internet can often be disappointments and one of one of the examples which I haven't actually read funny enough which I don't plan to either was 50 shades of grey 
And I remember seeing that all over articles, over Facebook, over Instagram, over everything, and everyone reading it, and big, massive films being made about it. I'm thinking, geez, that must be pretty good to be getting all these deals. But then I think talking to, I can't remember who I was talking to, who had read it, and just, they were just like, this is terrible. Like, the, the writing, this is just horrendous. And it's, it was just marketed, marketed so well. So I kind of think this book got a little bit of that as well. Yeah, so I think some of the things he touches on in the book, some of the themes and ideas are quite important. I think a lot of people, especially in this day and age, uh, they can kind of flow through life thinking, what if, and I wish I did this, I wish I did that, how different my life would be, how better my life would be. I mean, we can have massive ideas, like should I have moved abroad to minor things like, why didn't I keep the guitar up? This kind of stuff, you know, and, and maybe talking personally, but like your head can get a little bit melted sometimes thinking like that. And you can, you can kind of forget about what you have. And I think that's kind of what I took a lot from this was Nora had such amazing experiences and she got to live those lives and undo those regrets, let's say, that she had built up over the years. And she was, in a way, she was kind of crippled by them in the end and that kind of maybe resulted in her her attempt at taking her own life but then when she kind of got a chance to kind of live it out i think it was the librarian saying that you can't you can't decide the outcomes like you can decide the choices but you can't decide the outcomes and so that was kind of powerful in a way and then it was interesting to see that if she had pursued the music career if she had pursued the australian trip with her friend if she had pursued the arctic one, she would have been mid-30s and she would have been in a, in a danky kind of apartment and a friend would have died. And like, this is the stuff you don't think about when, you're, when, you're, when you have these kind of daydreams or whatever. You, know, you don't think about the, the possibility of anything negative happening. You only think of the beaches and you only think of the, the great crack. So that's, that's kind of, that was kind of good to read, I suppose. Um, and like that, like we all had moments where we decide we've made choices and it's just changed your life forever. You know what I mean? Like, could be a job that you take or, or a place you move or whatever like like smith there i remember you were over my house one day and you were like looking at a place in drum here do you fancy moving in and i was like yeah grant and then we end up living in drum for a year and then end up meeting my girlfriend and mad stuff like you know so yeah i think i was i was relating a lot to it maybe not taken as literally and some of the stories are a bit far-fetched and all of that it touched a lot of personal notes i think i I'm kind of more in line with Franny's where I like the idea of the book and the concept, but maybe not necessarily how it played out. Like I had definitely frustrations with it and issues with some of the writing and the direction it went in. But one thing that hit a personal note for me was that quote, that recurring quote from Mrs. Elm that never underestimate the big importance of small things, which just like you said there, Podge, about me saying to you like about moving to Rumcondra and like how things changed that much. But I had one uh, really touching moment a couple of months ago with a friend of ours who has his own podcast, which he asked me to, like I appeared on an episode with him. It's about emotional well-being and just kind of general chat about life. I made a comment to him about it, about grief that I necessarily didn't place much emphasis on. It was just kind of a throwaway, not a throwaway comment, but just a a, a chat. And um, he contacted me then maybe a year or two later to say that it's given him great solace and he thinks about it every day. And that then in turn had a massive impact on me. And when I read that in the book, that like reminded me of that instantly. So that was one part of the book that I think is really important and probably the big message like Leonard and Hungry Paul where the importance of small things and gestures and just not to underappreciate them or just to gloss over them at all that they are really important. I agree with Franny there and I thought that I got going but into the book first 60 pages like oh yeah this is this is decent then yeah for me the tone just 
yeah, I thought it just got a bit confused. And without sounding too, I don't know, condescending, it oversimplified something that, for me anyway, I don't feel that needs to be oversimplified. Um, I think these sorts of teams are incredibly complicated, so they can be discussed in a complicated manner, but not like not a confusing way. I don't know if that's, that point actually makes sense now that I'm saying it out loud. Yeah, I just I thought the whole thing just reduced it down to something far too simple and everyone that's happily ever after at the end and kind of just missed it for me. Yeah, I think that was my issue, that for me, the book wasn't as profound or as thought-provoking as I think I thought it was or as it was made out to be. I just didn't connect, as Franny said, with characters or I felt a lot of the characters are quite 2D and just like, well, while there was good teams, good quotes and philosophers and things, like some of the quotes in writing like reminded me of like those things you see people just sharing on social media, like these vague quotes that aren't half as profound as the people sharing them like to think they are. Yeah, just like you said there about the, the character Smith, like there was actually, there was plenty of characters, but I felt, I didn't feel any connection or any to any of them or that there was any sort of depth to them, you know, well, obviously to Nora and, you know, we got a, a good glimpse into Mrs. Elm and I suppose, you know, maybe about Ash, but as you were saying earlier on, I didn't really care about them, like, you know. and Maybe that was the point that we didn't connect to the characters because she didn't either. Because she was only there briefly. I suppose, yeah, good game, point. Game changer, <laughs> I was just going to say that to that point, like, it would have been better if she spent a bit more time in them. I, maybe if that was the case, and it's, you know, very well done and incredibly written, but it doesn't make for necessarily a good read or a good book sort of thing, because why not? What's the point of the book? If you don't have characters you can, can get involved with. It kind of shows that even, like, she might have spent only a day or two in that life and that was enough for her even for her she didn't need to spend longer getting to know them either because she kind of got her answer straight away maybe i mean i didn't predict you connect with her either and i thought <laughs> I, I was going to say about the characters and they're around for a short period of time i think that the fact that they're not around long doesn't completely preclude them from being good like you know there are other books and films in which characters only appear for a short amount of time but because of the way they're written you know, they're, they're more compelling and there's more done with them but I felt like Hugo like I, fe- I felt with him he was kind of an interesting idea but there was nothing major done with him that I was like oh yeah like she's, he's Matt Haig has really done something there that's really interesting or like this fella's obviously kind of this character is obviously a really like interesting type he was just kind of written in like I don't know, kind of an unimaginable way I thought. And like, there was a, that was the same for kind of a lot of the characters. They were kind of very stereotypical and there wasn't a lot done with them. And I felt like that kind of added to the sense that they were insignificant. That was already there because they weren't around for that long in the first place. Uh, one character that really kind of particularly annoyed me was Leo, the piano student. So I think at the very end, it, it transpires that uh, Nora's intervention in his life as a piano teacher, like once a week or whatever it was, stopped him from becoming kind of like... Uh, a delinquent and a petty criminal and stuff and it was like the lesson was that like oh like you know like no matter how insignificant you think you are like these are the contributions make so much difference in people's lives and I'm kind of like come on like <laughs> I just thought it was awful and it was, it was near the end of the book as well and I was kind of I was kind of in like not loving the book at that point anyway and I, I just I read that and I really kind of yeah really got to me. You'd hardly call yourself a cynic for any would you? <laughs> no, that's definitely not. No. <laughs> yeah, maybe five cynical Irish lads aren't the best audience for this book. Conversely, though, to that, Franny, I did like how it played out with the neighbor, her small influence on him, like bringing him his medicine or whatever it was. And then, you know, one of the alternate lives, he ends up in a home. So, like, I thought that was more believable and more touching that your little influence that she almost probably considered a chore. It's just like a nice little gesture it had such an impact on this man. 
Um, I thought that was a nice counterbalance. I do agree it was a bit ham-fisted, the piano student one. I don't think an hour of Mozart a week is going to stop him from ending up in jail, if that's the sort of character he is. But uh, yeah, I do take your point on that. Yeah, I suppose. And I suppose, as you were saying, that because there was such a variety of lives, it was hard to you know, go into depth with those characters. But I kind of felt like that was another weakness of the book that there were so many there's so many lies so I, think she had, I think we went into depth and i have depth and in inverted commas there to eight or nine different lies and then the life before ash is it the life before ash that they start rhyming off different lives that she lives and i actually get a bit frustrated with that but you know there's so many lives and so many well so many small characters but i there was also so many different chapters and you know as I was saying beforehand I kind of wrestled with what I thought about this book when I finished it I I wasn't sure what I thought and I was kind of leaning on the side of didn't like and uh, a stick I was going to use to bash the book was the, the chapters were so short and look you know we've all read books like thrillers that use short chapters for suspense and things like that but I was going to I was going to trying to say that because the book or the book needed short chapters to carry you along because the story didn't carry you, you know. Uh, but I decided to look into it before I, before I said it. <laughs> and uh, actually very interesting, you know, that why someone might or why Matt Haig might have went with short chapters. Like, obviously, the main thing is it keeps the story moving. Um, it would be very easy for him to, to kind of linger on a, on a scene. And it, I know that's probably something that we might have wanted a bit more, but you can see why that, in a story like this, why that might, might be... Uh, a hindrance and I suppose whenever you're changing viewpoints as often as Nora is you need different chapters you know and uh, that is something I didn't kind of that was something I didn't kind of think about whenever I was about to bash it which yeah uh, another one then was interesting like from a from a sales perspective you want people to get through the book as quick as possible and like you want them to get to the end of the chapter and say, okay, one more chapter. And like, if that chapter is four pages, you'll be like, okay, yeah, I'll read that now. But if it's 20, you'll probably leave till tomorrow night or, or, or whatever, something like that. So I thought that was really interesting. It kind of, it was a little bit ironic, I suppose, whenever the message of the book or one of the messages of the book was how consumerism puts us into this rut of what if our life was like this, you know, when we're looking at Instagram and ads getting pushed at us, that our life would be better with whiter teeth or an upgraded phone. That was a little bit at odds with that, but very interesting nonetheless. I'd agree with you. I, I smashed the book out in a couple of days, um, like a couple of days off work or whatever. And in fairness, I, I did want to keep going, kind of get through it, partly for the podcast and just kind of get it done, get it out of the way. But yeah, I think you're dead right. That probably stands so it was a nice easy read and uh do you know if someone is heading off on holidays i'd recommend take this book with you it's nice it's easy to get through it could be reading the beach there or something like that yeah like i it's a funny like that we've probably been quite negative about it so far but like it is an easy read and it has good messages and stuff i think my expectations were just really high and i liked how it started off and i expected maybe bigger things than was delivered like i went into it and um, once she entered the library, I really liked that idea. I thought it raised some like really interesting ideas, but didn't delve into them enough. Like Hugo, as Franny mentioned, or like I like the idea that everyone's library or like this realm that they're in would be different depending on like their interests or what they're comfortable or safe with. So I'd like to see more in a, more of that. But I went into it just thinking I hope it doesn't end up um, finishing with the like stereotype, the life that she left behind was the one she wanted all along 
without any big twists or like I just didn't feel like it did anything in between um that really kind of moved me I found profound or it just played out exactly as I expected and I don't think it was well enough written that that was enough for me I think the more you read the more you kind of feel oh yeah I'm looking for a twist and all that and like sometimes I kind of I disagree a little bit like sometimes it's kind of nice to have a book tied up Maybe, yeah, I can get the predictability angle and you don't want a book that you can predict the ending. But when I was reading it and she got to the life where she had, it was a simple life. I think you touched on a comparison to Leonard and Hungry Paul, which I agree with as well, that even though she had these amazing lives, amazing opportunities and all of that, it was the life that she had in London with a dog, with a daughter, with a husband, you know, uh, doing her psych- uh, psychology, all that kind of stuff. And that she was the happiest and she didn't want to leave. And as I was reading that chapter, I was saying to myself, yeah, this would be an all right place to finish the book. It, it's not quite her original life, I know, but it's like something that she really obviously wanted. And then when it did end up coming out that, you know, she goes back to her original life and stuff, I didn't mind it too much in a way. I thought it was actually a nice, a really nice message for people who are suffering from depression and people who are having uh suicidal thoughts to know like the, everyone has infinite potential i think that's the, the the theme of this book and if you take every story literally and every story like this is silly or out there or whatever it's kind of beyond that i think it's more everyone has the potential to do whatever they want if they just free their mind a little bit and take some chances or whatever and when she comes out of her uh, attempted overdose and she she kind of recovers she clearly does have this new lease on life and she realizes that her friend wasn't uh, ignoring her in Australia, that maybe she just wasn't kind of great at contact, that her brother did care for all along. And it's just funny that when we read the start of the book, you get a complete opposite idea that the brother wants nothing to do with her, doesn't care for her, doesn't care if she lives or dies, her friend doesn't care about her, blah, blah, blah. And it just kind of shows that the, the rut you can dig yourself into when you're in that period, when you have those thoughts, when you have those moments in your life, and fair enough, she's she's like completely different, and I'm sure her head would be absolutely wrecked after coming out of that experience, knowing all that stuff. No, I liked it. I liked the positive ending. I liked the happy ending. I know you lads maybe didn't connect with her a lot, but I kind of I was I was kind of happy that she it ended in, in a nice way. I wouldn't have liked to see it end. If I'd ended in one of those lives, I would have been a bit pissed off to be honest. Yeah, I would have been like, oh, that's you know that's a bit mad or. Or, and you said, I think, before the podcast, like, so she didn't know her child's name and she didn't know, like, a memory or she didn't know where the plates were or stuff. And if she kind of just kind of slotted into a lovely life, you know, that's going to be a bit confusing, a little bit kind of unfulfilling, I think, as a book. Look, not the best book ever written, but a nice read. The one quote I did take down, Podge, just to, to your point there, was prison wasn't the place, but the perspective. And <laughs> Genio, that was when I was like, that's a, that's, a, that's a lovely line. And as you say, everyone does have infinite potential. And for that reason, I thought, yeah, actually, there's some there's some nice ideas in the book. The one question I had for you boys, for me anyway, I thought I was too old to be to read this book. And I don't necessarily think that, I think that's very personal that just, I kind of, if I'd read this maybe at a different time in my life, I think it was the most 
amazing book and I you know so enlightening all that sort of thing whereas potentially I've kind of got to that point where I've, I've kind of had these thoughts and kind of said yeah so there was nothing kind of new in it for me and for that reason as I said it was an easy read I got through it it was nice but I kind of but I'm thinking if someone was maybe going through a tough time I was thinking oh if I was back in college and I was going through a tough time and I read that I'd be like you know what yeah there's so much more to life there's so much whereas I think now it's like this what do you think that's a good point Owen. very good I think you're right I'd be the same as you if I had read that when I was younger even in my teens I think I would have put a meant a lot more to me or I would have connected a lot more to the story does that mean whenever you're younger or whenever we had a tougher time doesn't um, necessarily mean younger I don't think it could be anything. yeah because because you know, yeah I, suppose, I, 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 I don't mean and that's I wouldn't necessarily say oh, it's for teenagers or it's for, you know, early 20s. I think this could happen to anybody at any time in your life, whether you're 60 or 70 or in your, you know, 20s or a teenager. It just kind of depends. But I think just personally for me, that, that kind of revelation maybe just came a little bit earlier. So I missed the boat for me. And um, Mrs. Elm had a brilliant quote about the library, which is trying to explain it to Nora, where she said, it's a library of possibility and, poss- and death is the opposite of possibility which I thought was like a great message. You, you always have time to, like they say, like the most important step you can make is the next one or whatever. Like you always have time to turn things around, which I thought was a, a nice message from it. So like you could be at any age and going through these struggles, but there's always hope basically. Um, I think in terms of like the positivity of the message, I know what you're saying that like obviously it probably is something that's maybe nice for someone to read if they're in the state of mind that they need it maybe. And maybe for younger people as well, that could identify with a lot of these struggles. It would be more relevant. But I thought, like, probably the main difference, one of, one of the big problems I had with the book was that it was just, too, like, the outlook was too, like, rosy and kind of happy nearly. It was, like, it started off dealing with this time of emotional distress and, like, obviously Nora's in, like, a bad place and it's it's something that a lot of people can identify with. And I thought that was done quite well in that, like, it shows how people's lives can kind of lose their focus maybe and you can make mistakes and it can affect you badly. But I kind of felt that would, like, the solution Matt Hay comes up with is this, like, kind of nearly like psychedelic thing that just happens and she kind of like it's all very like kind of happy clappy nearly and I, I thought a book that I was comparing it to in a few ways and kind of the whole social media aspect to it as well was uh, The Fault in Our Stars that kind of had that whole thing that vibe around it as well where it was a really popular kind of um, book on social media there about five or six years ago but I felt and I wasn't a huge fan of that book either but when I read it I think the thing that I did take from it was that it was he wasn't afraid to be negative maybe and to show that you know shit does happen like you know it, it, it didn't have an especially happy ending and it, it dealt with the teams really forcefully and it wasn't afraid to get its hands dirty kind of and I felt this book really was and it was kind of it just took from the whole experience of it for me um it's kind of the, the theme's been touched on in, in a lot of kind of different places i mean one that sticks out to me would be an uh, episode of scrubs where episode starts and turk and judy are at the reception and, and a butterfly flies in and you can follow the butterfly and there's like a really attractive woman here and then this like really burly hairy man beside her and the butterfly lands on the man so they look at the man, they kind of go, oh, and they look away. And then from that moment, the whole episode plays out and you can see kind of how that initial minor instance affects our whole day. And then it kind of goes back and it shows then what if the butterfly landed on the woman and they were distracted by looking at her and then whatever happens. So it was really interesting that way. I love that episode of Scrubs. Um, I thought, well, for me anyway, what made that a success, more of a success, I suppose, in comparison to this was that they stuck to kind of one story. So there was a direct comparison, one against the other sort of thing. And um, I found that my big issue with this is after two of our lives, I got very bored. I was like, oh, not again. Like, and I would have rather 
and spend more time in a particular life or something and compare it against each other um, rather than jumping between. So. Another one then, obviously, very famous movie, uh, Sliding Doors. A lot of people quote, just even to say, oh, it's a Sliding Doors moment where a woman is, ta- is catching a train in, I think it's London. And, you know, if she had got on the train and if she hadn't got on the train, what way where life would have went? And like, that's kind of the general idea of a lot of these yeah, stories. Yeah, it kind of like, raises questions then, obviously, for yourself when you're reading it. Like, has anyone here had, like, felt like they've had those Sliding Doors moments or massive moments? Uh, I suppose, yeah, whenever I mentioned, you know, uh, Jay Maratashev <laughs> no uh, <laughs> no well, there's I no numbers there <laughs> no I suppose look everyone has had those moments and definitely during my reading of this and afterwards I did find myself thinking a bit more like that you know and the what ifs and you know what if is a, a very dangerous question so I, I don't like to ask it too often but I was thinking um, like after I left college I I went and worked in the pub and, you know, I got up to managing the pub and, you know, I, I love that life and, and that, but I do feel that uh, before I went back to teaching that I did kind of lose, I lost some of the, not, not completely lost the relationships I had in college, but I definitely find that the lads who went um, from college straight into teaching that they kind of kept their overall bond stronger um than my connection with that overall group and i i often did think that i you know i wish that my connection stayed as strong as it was but i wonder then like you know i some of the things i i gained from working the pub was a serious lift in confidence a serious lift in like decision making and being decisive and being and problem solving and things like that and how to handle my own emotions and things, you know, um, and stress and pressure, things like that. Now, <laughs> my, my epilepsy medication would say otherwise, but, <laughs> but it was a really, some of the greatest life lessons I've ever had have come from working in the pub. And yeah, that's one of the, that's one of the moments that's kind of stuck out for me when I thought I was thinking about that, you know. Yeah, that's really interesting. I suppose that is the good thing in a book then that does bring up these thoughts and it makes you reflect a lot, I suppose. Oran, is there any for you that kind of stick out to you? Like, I don't know. There's, there's plenty. Sure, I spent about 12 years trying to do a leaving certain, finally got a leaving certain, didn't, didn't continue doing teaching and switch courses and um, obviously living out in Australia and there was, you know, debate whether I should should go, should I not go, should, you know, you finished up uni, should you go to America, that sort of thing. But yeah, I think, I, as I said, I think if I was reading this book back then, it probably would have been more profound. I definitely, I go by the, it, it, it's part of a song I heard, there's a line and it's, your choices are half chance. So, I don't know, I feel like any decision I've made in the past, it's it's not right or wrong, it just, it is what it is. Um, you, you can't, as I, I think, it's the same as what I think Pod said earlier on there that like you can't was it you can't choose the outcome sort of thing, um and yeah you just kind of you make the you make the best of whatever situation you're in sort of so, um I think there wouldn't be a life worth living if you weren't kind of sitting there looking at oh there must be if there were no hard questions you have to ask yourself and hard choices so um I guess yeah as you're saying it's it's a good book for that for that bit of reflection. Yeah, there was a line in the book as well about um, maybe there are no easy paths, there are just paths, which I guess 
speaks to what you were just saying there. Uh, so to me then, um, there were a few moments in um, 2018-2019 with me. I was after, I mentioned already with Smith, I was after moving to Dublin. I was living at home for a few years teaching in Navin. And then Smith was over one night or one day with a few lads um, and he was like, come up to Dublin. So I moved in with him, decided to to commute to Navin for a year and have the crack with the lads. And that was, that was a serious year. But literally two weeks after moving in, sure, it was summertime. And I was in Dublin and I was 24 and I was like, this is just brilliant. This is where I want to be. Um, I two months there to just go into town, read a book. And had that kind of, it was only that I had that kind of new lease of life in a way. That new kind of that renowned, that renewed independence or whatever, and I carried that kind of, I suppose you could call it confidence with me. And I was out in Dublin a good bit during the week. I was going to concerts and stuff, and I was in that kind of mentality that, like, walking through a smoking area, saw a girl taking a selfie, offered to take the photo, and four years later, I'm still with that girl, which is mad. So that was one moment that's like, you know, all these choices led up to that, and then a year later. I was like, the following summer, I was like, well, I don't want to kind of do that commute again for the year. So I want to maybe work in Dublin. So I looked up a few jobs, did some interviews, didn't get one of the jobs, got offered another one, didn't take it for whatever reason. And then near the end of the summer, school pops up in Stepside, which is 10 minutes away from, from Ziz's house. I said, feck it, I'll go for it. If I get it, sure, we might move in together. Got the job, moved in with her. So that was another massive kind of, if I had taken the job and I think it was in Malahide, I'd probably still be living in Drumcondor with the lads. Who knows? Maybe end up going to Australia with them. You know what I mean? So it's just those things kind of make you think and go, wow, that's, that's insane. Like, cause I'm still in steps. I'm still not school and loving it, but yeah, interesting. Definitely better off looking at Ziz than Smith's fully head anyway. <laughs> well, look, if it was me who said, I said all that in motion and I told him we should all you move did, to Dublin. You You're so. a catalyst. Yeah, you are. Here we go. I was just going to say, Podge, as well, you know, you moving to Dublin and I met you then in Stephen's Green and you had your Kindle. That was kind of what got me into getting the Kindle. And I mean, I would say I have read at least 20 times more books now Brilliant. that uh, they have the Kindle. That's cool. Um, There's another one, I suppose, with Marty on the call. Marty and I were randomly put together in a house in in Marino in 2011, uh, 10 years ago, just randomly put together. And yeah, 10 years later, still still chatting and, and, and being good mates. So there you go. It's just mad. Franny, have you any moments like that that you look back on? Uh, I can't think of any moments specifically in my own life, but I did, to be fair, think there was a lot of kind of uh, worthwhile uh, discussion of like kind of living in the moment maybe and kind of maybe not even living in the moment so much as appreciating what you have versus what you think you might like and I think that's something you could certainly like I could certainly work on or anyone can kind of work on because I think and you hear a lot more about it like nowadays there's such an emphasis on people and mindset and like positivity and stuff but it, there's such truth in the idea that like you know it, it really is about the way you approach things and how you how you appreciate what's going on in your life rather than the external factors that's going to make you happy at the end of the day. So that was one of maybe the few things that I didn't, uh, that I took that I took from this book that I enjoyed about it. I'm trying to think, yeah, I probably have a couple like that. Um, uh, I was living in with Podge, as you mentioned, in Drumcondra and a couple of the lads a few years ago. And um, 
I was working in RTE at the time. Like I'd been freelancing there for years. The job I'd always wanted essentially, or was in the works, but I had decided in the meantime that I wanted to move to Australia. So that was kind of a big, a big decision, which I obviously ended up moving to Australia. And then last year, Hannah, my girlfriend, I had a decision to make, would we do an or just one year in Australia as we planned, or would we last minute when COVID hit move at, at like 48 hours notice, move states in Australia and do our farm work. Uh, which we did and now it all worked out we ended up getting a second year visa and now we're on a visa here until 2023 so I suppose they're like two small things that have had pretty big impacts I suppose we should say as well when we're talking about these decisions like that moving to Dublin is how we started the book club as well and and meeting up and I suppose we definitely didn't expect back then that a few years later we'd be spread all around uh, the continents and countries and doing it remotely on zoom during a pandemic so and on a podcast there you go. Okay, lads, uh, this should be interesting this week. It's time for our usual rate expectations. Uh, I'll start with you, Franny. Uh, do you want to give us your rating and why? Uh, yeah, so I kind of, I didn't really know how to uh, rate this one because I kind of haven't had one that I've really had mo- mostly negative things to say about thus far. But for this one, I mean, I really couldn't think of much that I'd say that was good about it or that I enjoyed about it. Like the start of it was well done, I felt, and the uh, like the concept of it maybe and the way he he built that concept at the start was quite good and it got me interested in it. But after that, really, I hadn't like much to say that was good about it at all. So I'm going to give it a four. Yeah, um, I suppose I'm probably similar to Franny I didn't I just didn't really care for for the characters you know and there is a lot of a lot of things like you know I I don't know if this is the right thing to say but I didn't really feel the misery or the despair in the first part of the book that I was kind of expecting or was almost hoping to get like I suppose on the other side of that I did really feel and you mentioned this myth like I did really feel like the desire to live once she did come back to when she did um come around from her her overdose as we've all said you know it's a lovely concept and it's a lovely message but i did feel that 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 the concept was what carried the story or what drove the story i didn't feel it had much character but much depth and characters or into the actual story and i think just overall it just fell a bit flat with me it felt it was a bit flat and yeah, I think I'm probably going to go with a five. I'm, I think, as I've said, in the same boat as the two boys. Uh, I thought the one, the saving grace for the book really was, I thought the message was good. Um, and I thought it, it read quite easily. So if somebody was heading away on holidays, I'd say, yeah, take this book with you. It's nice. It's an easy read. And it's the only message that that's looking nice um, I'd go with a, yeah, probably a 5.5. Um, yeah, I can't, can't go much higher. Just personally, just book, book, and I think that's why I'm putting this on. Just personally, it wasn't for me, but I can definitely see how somebody else would read it and and and, and enjoy it. So, five it is. Yeah, I'm gonna be a little bit more, um, probably more positive than the lads on it. Uh, kind of, you probably got my uh general ideas throughout the podcasts. I'm gonna give it about. I'm gonna give it a six. I think six. Uh. I wouldn't like. I know we talked before. At seven is is you know if you want to recommend it, I'd still recommend it to people. Um, and he's hitting it on the head like a day at the beach, a short break away or a night away in a hotel or something. You know, like bring that book along. You'll you know dip in and out of it. You'll fly through it. 
I took it. I took a good bit of it. from it. To be honest, I I liked the messages. I yeah, like overall, I thought there was there was a lot of repetition and a little bit cringy at parts. And yeah, the ending was 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 nice and tied up and all that, but also a bit unbelievable, I suppose. Um, but no, I, I yeah, I, I I enjoyed I enjoyed some of the messages he was putting across. Um, kind of on a deeper level, um, resonated with me with, with with a few areas, and I could relate to. Just some of the some of the parts as well. So I'll give it a six. I think that's fair enough rating from me. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a six as well, I think. Um as much as elements of it frustrated me, like I did go through book quite quickly, like I read it very quickly over the space of a few days, and I did enjoy certain elements. I liked the like philosophical quotes that were littered throughout it. I thought that was a clever touch that she'd studied philosophy and then those arguments could be kind of um sprinkled throughout. And there's a couple of funny moments, but other times the humor just fell a bit flat for me or she mentioned Podge, a bit of repetition. Maybe we delved into too many lives, whereas the story would have benefited greater from um, fewer variations in her life and more depth and detail in terms of character and setting. I did find it like an interesting parallel when about the moving to Australia, which obviously I've done in the last couple of years. And when she was swimming on Bronte Beach and all that stuff, I thought that was interesting. But then it didn't really go in depth in any one story. So those reasons great message like it's not a bad book by any stretch but for me given the hype and the, the kind of furor about it uh, it didn't really live up to what i expected and i think six is fair enough so that means the midnight library gets a 5.3 from the lower hour lads which is our lowest rating so far i think um, by a, by a, by a distance, I'd say. Yeah. What was the one? What What's the second lowest? Is it Raising Captivity? I think so. Yeah, Raising Very Captivity. Different, yeah, drastically that different. Six point something, I think, didn't it? Yeah. So next up on episode eight will be another current bestseller, which is number one in the Irish charts at the moment. It's Snowflake by Louise Nealon. Uh, so we're really excited to read that. Uh, so that will be episode eight, and we'll see you then.